Mets Musings is an unofficial, independent podcast covering New York's National League Baseball team. It is not affiliated in any way with Major League Baseball or the New York Mets. Hi, this is Ron Darling. Uh, This is Skip Lockwood. Hi, I'm Ron Swoboda of the 69 New York Mets, and you're listening to Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings. I hope you all had a fantastic week out there. I know I did, and uh, let's get that video straight. There we go. All right. Uh, hey, Mets are off and running now. Uh, after a bad start in Philadelphia, they picked up the pace, coming home a little bit. Uh, did so-so with Miami, and then in came the Philadelphia Phillies for a four-game set. The game today was rained out, so the Mets take the series three games to none, I guess you might say. Uh, They'll make up the game June 25th, today's game. But they won three games, sweeping a doubleheader and taking last night's game um, and uh, showing some signs of life. The bullpen is still a major problem. Though it, it, it looked good last night, uh, Aaron Loop looked great. Uh, Edwin Diaz looked pretty good in his one-inning work. Uh, Aaron Loop got five outs, came in, got a double play ball, and then got out of the next inning. Looked awesome uh, this time around. Jerry's Familia continues to struggle, looks terrible. Look, you might as well give an intentional walk to the first guy because he's going to walk the first guy he sees. So you might as well walk him. Uh, But the bullpen has been a problem so far and the offense. Now, hopefully yesterday or last night, I should say, uh, both, uh, both the offense and the bullpen came through a little bit, so maybe they're turning the tide. Michael Conforto is in a terrible slump. Terrible. One of the worst. Uh, Lindor, off to a very slow start, but got a couple of hits last night. Alonzo hasn't been hitting, striking out an awful lot, uh, but got a, a hit or so. The guys really that have been hitting uh, have been Nimmo at least getting on base. Nimmo's back to his old tricks, getting walks, getting on base, causing things to happen. And uh, Dom Smith has been uh, uh, hitting very well, playing left field. So those are the guys. McCann has struggled, though he hit a home run last night. So maybe that'll get him going a little bit. Um, let's see, uh, who did I miss? Anybody? Uh, third base, uh, more about that in a second, but, uh, Galorme's been in there 
and he's been hitting a little bit and and getting on base. Uh, same thing, Villar's been uh, pretty good in a uh, utility role so far. Uh, and Nito uh, hit a home run in his uh, one start so far. So he's, uh, you know, maybe he can get hitting too. We can have some combination if McCann can hit and Nito uh, hits when he uh, gives McCann a break. That would be pretty pretty good. be awesome for the Mets, really, uh, if that happened. Um. Well, let's see now. Uh, the other day, Luis Roas met with the press and gave an injury update. So let's take a look at that. Uh, Carlo Carrasco, who suffered a torn hamstring last month, is doing really good now, according to Rojas. He is stretched out to throw four innings and will soon report to the Mets alternate side to begin fielding work. Still, there isn't an exact timeline for an off for the offseason's acquisition to make his Met debut. It was reported when he went down with the injury that he would need six to eight weeks to recover, so he could still be another month or so away. Don't rush it. Starting pitching's been pretty solid so far. Uh, David Peterson pitched a beauty last night. Uh, Stroman has pitched uh, very well in his two starts. And uh, DeGrom has pitched uh, awesome but gets no runs. So <laughs> we don't know. Uh, we're going to see Lucchese this weekend, so hopefully he can uh, keep the role going, as it were. Uh, Noah's... T- Noah Syndergaard seems to be on schedule. He's doing some tossing and uh, has had no setbacks. As for Dylan Betances, his shoulder impingement continues to give him problems. He feels better, but there is some soreness, and he has not thrown at all. Uh, and uh, Rojas said that he it is unlikely he will travel with the team on their upcoming road trip to Chicago, Colorado and Chicago. He'll be staying home and uh, getting treatment uh, on that shoulder. And J.D. Davis is starting to swing the bat, took batting practice, as a matter of fact. And according to Rojas, he looked really good in the batter's box, and the hope is that he'll be able to come off the injured list when he is eligibly activated this weekend. So we could see him as soon as this weekend as the Mets travel to the Mile High City of Denver. And uh, it's not a bad place to come back off the uh off of the injured list and get to hit in. So we'll see if J.D. Davis is ready to go. Uh, as I said, the the team has not looked great. Um, but I got to tell you, this week they, they looked better defensively with Guillaume in third and uh, uh, the usual lineup, Lindor at short, McNeil at second, uh, Alonzo at first. Alonzo's playing some good first. Got to give him credit. Uh, Smith has been um, adequate in left field. He's not embarrassing himself. Uh, Nimmo is playing a better center field. He can forward a solid and right. McCann, I'm a little surprised with McCann. Uh, I see some... He hasn't been as good as pitches in the dirt as I thought he would be. That could... That could just simply be 
he is still getting familiar with the pitchers, so he's he's got to learn near idiosyncrasies. So, uh, that, and my guess is that's what that is all about. He'll get better as the season progresses, but uh, we'll wait and see what happens with that. But uh, I would guess that uh, um, that's one thing to look forward to as the season go on. He will improve behind the plate, uh, and so. I guess the best thing to take away with it at this point in this very, very early season is that the Mets are 5-3, and three and they're going on this first road trip, and we'll see how they fare uh, on the road for the second time of the year. They started on the road, but... Uh, uh, now it's more they're more in the swing of the season so get a better idea all right let's take a break we'll be back with my very special guest right after these messages baseball and bbq your place for interesting baseball talk opinions and history baseball and bbq your place for barbecue recipes tips and interviews from the world of barbecue if you like baseball and if you like barbecue then tune in to baseball and bbq Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and BaseballTalkRadio.com. Wouldn't it be great if you could get a Ph.D. in life through baseball? Welcome to Baseball Ph.D., a tour company for your brain. 30 major league teams, 100 places to see. Let's touch them all as we make the road trip of a lifetime. Check out my Facebook group. It's at facebook.com slash Mets Musings. Go check it out. And don't forget to call the hotline. It's 516-619-6341. My guest this week is Mr. Noah Yingling, and he is the site expert with for, I should say, The Rock Pile, a Colorado community. It's a blog, and uh, uh, they do a great job in covering Colorado Rockies. And Noah uh, is one of their experts there. So, uh, Noah, welcome to Mets Musings. Thanks for having me. Um, Noah, we were chatting a little bit before we went on the air about the weather for this upcoming series, and uh, maybe you want to uh, tell the folks what you told me. As of now, um, right now as we're recording this on Thursday night, it is snowing in Denver right now. They Now they're two hours behind uh, Eastern time, so it's um, – it's still mid evening there right now. Right. Um, but it is, it's snowing and they're supposed to get three to six inches of snow tonight. Um, and then there's a chance uh, they're supposed to get one to three on Friday. Uh, of course, with, as with most weather that can change in an instant, but that's as of now. Um, so it's going to be an, at least an interesting start to the series, but Hey, if the Mets, if the Mets and Rockies do play tomorrow, meaning Friday, at least the Mets would have an excuse for not hitting behind Jacob DeGrom because they might not be able to see the baseball. So they'd have an excuse this one time. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope uh, I hope they brought their uh, their shovels with them. Uh, I remember the last time uh, that they played out there, and the first game got canceled, and then they were all out there shoveling so they could get the. Uh, I think they had a doubleheader the next day or something. They rescheduled, and uh, they were all out there shoveling in their uniforms to try to get the field ready yep. and. Just unbelievable uh, uh, that they they don't have a better system for the stadium there. But, you know, uh, we didn't build it. And uh, as we were talking, we would have put roofs on the darn thing, at least retractable. Yeah. Well, anything, and yeah. side note with Coors Field, you, you probably wouldn't think this. But it opened up in 1995. Wow. And it is the third oldest stadium in the National League right now. Wow. That the is only two stadiums that are older are Wrigley Field and Dodger Stadium in the National League. Yeah, Every other yeah. one has been built since. Wow. That, that's that, not that long ago. That's 26 years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to believe. It really is. Um, I was at the you know, the first time they came into New York. I was at the, the game. Um I used to have season tickets. I had Saturday uh, games. And I think they came in the first time on a week yeah, on they, Friday. They, yeah, because uh, open, uh, opening day, their first opening day in 93 was against the Mets. Yeah, yeah. So um, very interesting. All right. Well, the Rockies uh, are struggling a little bit this year. They're 3-9 and nine as we record this. And they've got a game against the Dodgers tonight. Uh, not a foe that you want to go against uh, too often. Unfortunately, they're in their division. But um, what's been the cause of some of the struggles so far uh, for the Rockies? Um, right now, they're on a five-game losing streak. And um, their main problem has been their offense. And that that's one of the things with, with Coors Field people – uh, people usually say, oh, Coors Field, their offense is great, which mm-hmm. in the recent years, it hasn't necessarily been the case. But the main problem with the Rockies is going between Coors Field, which is a mile high in elevation, to sea level. And that's exactly what they did because they they started the season out at Coors Field and then they went to San Francisco, which is at sea level. And in the series, they score. Uh, I think they scored four runs in the entire series. If I, if memory serves me, um, they got swept and then you go into the buzzsaw of the Dodgers and most teams don't play well against them, let alone the Rockies who they have lost well over 80% of their games against them in the last three years. Um, and at Dodger stadium, they haven't particularly played well at all. Mm -hmm. Um, but for them, it, part of it is growing pains. Of they've got a lot of young players, um, and particularly here on Thursday, they are sitting some of their veterans. And when you're trying to get a, uh, when you're trying to get one uh, salvage one game in the series, um, you don't want to sit Charlie Blackman, who he's been on a cold stretch right now. But Trevor Story's their best player. He's sitting down tonight as well um so pretty much all of the guys in their lineup right now with the exception of one or two are struggling um so that's been a big 
factor. And then also too, their starting pitching has had a lot of control issues. Um, as of two or three days ago, I'd have to check the numbers again, but in the national league, the two top leaders in walks were both members of the Rockies rotation. Austin Gomber is starting for them in the Dodgers uh, game tonight. So the Mets won't see him, but he, in two starts had nine and a third innings pitched and he walked 11 guys. He only allowed two hits, but when you're walking 11 guys, <laughs> that's a problem. Um, so, so that has been a big problem for them thus far. And like I said, the offense too has not been clicking. Yeah. The uh, offense is uh 23rd batting average. And uh, 18th in runs, and uh, the earned run average for the pitching is uh, at 4.63 ERA, uh, 21st uh, as we record. But um, has the has the loss of Arenado uh, hurt them? Uh, naturally, it's it's going to hurt them. But you know, has it been a massive blow? Uh, or is it more of a fan thing that the, the fans are more angry than uh, let's say the players are? Uh, I, I can tell you the fans are definitely more angry than the players are right now going into spring training. The players were very much of the mantra of we have to turn the page. Um, now Arenado was injured last year. Um, he got injured. In, I believe it, it was the second series of the season he played injured for most of the season and he was not his former self and then the last few weeks of the year he was on the injured list due to that injury um so they've they've had a few guys waiting in the wings for years now but the problem is like i said they have so many young guys where that's one thing if you've got a team where okay we've got one or two young guys that are trying to figure out their way in the majors. But when you have in your lineup, realistically, you've got probably five or six that are still learning at the major league level mm -hmm. on top of guys who are veterans and are struggling like CJ Crone, um, who they signed this off season as a first baseman. He's really been struggling at the plate. Charlie Blackman's been struggling at the plate. He's been struggling at the plate since about three quarters of the way through last year, the first quarter, he hit 500. The second three quarters, uh, the last three quarters of the season, he hit like 211. Uh, he didn't play well in spring training and he's hitting sub 200 this year so far. And he's not getting any, any younger. He's 35 now. Um, so yeah, when the veterans you do have aren't hitting and you've got younger guys who, uh, the the successor for Arenado has been Ryan McMahon. He was their everyday second baseman last year. Now he's their everyday third baseman. He's been hitting well, um, but really outside of him, they have not had much offense. Well, now you mentioned Charlie Back Blackman, and you mentioned his age. Is the feeling um, that it is an age thing? That it is a declining thing, or? Uh, it, it, you know, could it be an injury? I mean, are they, are they working on anything? You know, it used to be a big thing here that when a guy went into a slump and he couldn't figure it out, they used to, 
I swear to God, they used to send him for an eye exam because a lot of times, uh, you know, and and believe it or not, it worked a couple of times. They they did find out the guy had a deficiency and it did help uh, extend his career. I'm not, I'm not saying anything with Blackman, but I mean, are they looking at anything like that? Or is there any word of an injury that's nagging him? that he can't seem to be the, you know, or, or is the feeling that it's just he's 35 and the decline is starting? I think part of it is bad luck because if you look at some of the peripheral stats, like his, um, for the sabermetric crowd out there, like uh, expected batting average or BABIP, it's been pretty good, but he's, there's been a lot of plays where he just, hey, he isn't uh, as, uh, as the old adage is, he isn't hitting them where they ain't. He's just hitting liners right to people. But part of it, I do think, is age. Um, it doesn't seem to be any kind of injury. Um, however, um, putting it nicely, the Rockies are not necessarily great at uh, identifying injuries. In fact, they had that today where Brendan Rogers, who was uh, their number one overall pick, uh, their number one draft pick in 2016, I should say. Um, he was going to be their everyday second baseman. And he was injured in spring training with a hamstring injury. And they said, and this was mid-March, and they said originally, okay, he'll be back in a few days. Um, it's a month later now, and they said he's nowhere close to playing any games. Wow. So, and they've had that numerous times in recent years. Um, so perhaps there is some underlying thing there, but at least in spring training, because I asked Charlie Blackman flat out, Hey, is there any kind of thing that you're seeing like video wise where, Oh, I'm swinging differently. And he said, no, I don't see any video difference. I'm just having different results, whether that's correct or not, who knows, but Mm -hmm. at least according to him and to the Rockies publicly, there, there has not been anything where any glaring issue like, oh, he's injured or his swings off or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or he needs glasses. Yeah. And who knows? <laughs> maybe it's that. Or maybe his beard's getting too heavy because his beard, <laughs> his beard is like a foot long. So maybe it's that. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Maybe every when he goes, he's not seeing the ball correctly because his head keeps going. <laughs> yeah. Now, recently, he, I did see that he got a haircut. So maybe he was trying oh. to change it up there. Cause <laughs> he he had the mullet, too. He was, if that is, uh, just on his head alone, he is a very hairy man. <laughs> he was. Because, like I said, mullet, and then he had about a foot-long beard. <laughs> now, he cut his hair recently on his head. So may, maybe he's trying to change things up. <laughs> it could be, you know. He's, he's given... Jason worth the run for his money. But uh, uh, you also talked a little bit about Trevor Story, who is a free agent at the end of the year. Um, Right now, as you say, he's probably the Rockies' best player. Um, What are the odds that they will sign him back? Or do you think, uh, or do you feel, or have you heard that he's definitely going to go as a free agent? Um, I haven't heard anything definitively, but if I had to guess, he would not be resigning. Um, 
and I don't know if that would be because of him just not wanting to resign or if the Rockies just won't give him the money that he desires. Um, but with the Arenado trade, he, he was good friends with Arenado and he, um, for, for the Rockies, it has gone downhill fast because I mean, they were in the playoffs in 2017 playoffs, 2018, 2019, they did have some injuries. So, but they, they did not have a great year, but they, they did have a lot of injuries last year. The pandemic happens. They don't play well again. They had a decent amount of injuries as well. And then they trade Arenado two years into an extension. Right. But also too, I, and really nobody thought that the Rockies would extend Arenado, but then they traded him two years later because they thought he would opt out when he said later that he wouldn't opt out. And then they paid the Cardinals $50 million to take him off their hands and they didn't get much in return. So yeah, it's, it was a very perplexing move on their part, at least publicly. Um, so, so yeah, with, with story, I, I don't think he'll resign because there's just, there's so many things where particularly with the fans, they are very upset at uh, the front office right now. And they, uh, they don't believe that they're putting all that they can into the team because the Rockies in fact are the only team to not sign a free, a major league free agent this off season or last off season. They were the only t- team in both years not to sign a major league free agent. They did sign like, for example, CJ Crone, they signed him, but that was on a minor league contract with an invite to spring training. So when, and they don't make tons of trades either, but with the exception of the R and trade, they've made one or two small ones. Um, so it's, not they're they're very status quo and considering they lost that they didn't play well in 2019 they didn't play well in 2020 you get rid of arenado and you're heading into 2021 and as of now they have the worst record in baseball so it doesn't look particularly bright looking forward so if he wants to win he's not going to be staying does the uh, organization see themselves as being uh, a player or two away from contending or, uh, you know, or, um, or are they in the middle of a, uh, a rebuilding process or are they trying to rebuild on the fly? Uh, what's your, your take on this? The answer to all three of those is yes. And that's not a good thing. They think they're contenders. Um, they think that they're, they think they're pretty much contenders right now. And they may need a player to at the trade deadline. In reality, they are, they're rebuilding and they're rebuilding on the fly. But considering they think they're contending when they really aren't, um, they're in the middle spot. And that's, that's the worst position you can be in. Um, because you're delaying the inevitable essentially. And even if, okay, let's say that they are contenders. You have arguably the two best teams in the national league and arguably the two best teams in baseball in your division. You have the reigning world champions who you cannot beat uh, seemingly under any circumstance in the Dodgers 
and you have the Padres who made the playoffs last year and got better this offseason. So at best, you're competing with four, five, six other teams for the second wild card spot. And they are not there. There's a reason why they have the worst record in the National League right now. It's because they're the worst team in the National League. Uh, but the Rockies, and I say at least publicly, when they speak to the media, when they make any statements or anything like that, they say that they are a great team or they think they're a great team. Um, but at the end of the day, the results don't show it. When they traded Arenado, the Rockies owner said, quote, we have an exceptionally talented team. But when you go 71 and 91, 26 and 34, and now they're three and nine, that's not an exceptional team. I could be wrong, but last <laughs> I checked, that is not an exceptional team. Now, you know, and uh, the funny funny thing is, it all sounds so familiar because for years we've been hearing the same thing here uh, in yeah. New York with the Mets. And, uh, you know, I, I still don't think uh, I'm leery that they're a uh, maybe a second wild card team, but uh, I still think they're short of that. Uh, but we'll have to see, you know. You, you never know how things are going to pan out. Look at Miami last year, though that yeah. was a short season, and I think they just, uh, you know, had to had a run in them. Though they're pretty spunky this year, they keep fighting back. So uh, who knows? But and uh, at least with the Mets, though, they at least they acquired Lindor, and they right. got Carlos Carrasco, who I know has been on the injured list, but still, mm -hmm. I mean, that trade was. In fact, I did an article on about that trade afterwards because we had the inkling that uh, Arnado and or story would be traded. And I said, the Rockies need to make sure they aren't the Indians in this trade where they just get absolutely fleeced. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, they get absolutely fleeced. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, no top uh, prospects in the trade for uh, Arenado, and they got one major leaguer who is Austin Gomber, who is the guy that I told you that, uh, nine and a third innings pitched, and he's got 11 walks. So, far. and yet he's got a, a low ERA against him. Yeah. Uh, uh, I he's only I allowed two hits in that nine and a third innings. Which, yeah. if you look at the ERA and you look at the hits, you're like, wow, he's pitching really well. He's, and then you see exactly. 11 walks. <laughs> oh, he's he had four innings in the one start or three innings, and he's got 95 pitches. Yeah, that's not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Not at all. Uh, so the starting pitching is, uh, been tough. Uh, uh, you know, it's been such a long time since the Mets have seen the Rockies. We didn't see them at all last year. So, uh, there are some new faces to, uh, Met fans watching. You mentioned Gomper, uh, but John Gray is still there. And, uh, he is, uh, I think when I looked earlier, he's one and two with, a, a relatively low ERA, so he's been, it seems like he's been pitching decently. Yeah, his his last start was on Wednesday, um, and he faced the Dodgers, and he he was high up in pitches. He only had like four innings, and that's why he got the loss. But um, the, the Rockies also didn't provide him with any run support. Um, that was his worst outing of the year. He gave up three runs. Um, but, I mean, he's, yeah, he's one and one now 
but he's got a 287 ERA. So, but the Mets are going to avoid him in the series. Um, mm-hmm. The the Rockies actually announced today they're starting rotation for the series. Um, it's going to be Chichi Gonzalez in Game One. Um, whether that's played Friday or not with the snow, who knows? But <laughs> um, as of now, it's going to be Chichi Gonzalez who is their fifth starter. Um, he's had a lot of injury problems in the past. When he's been with the Rockies, he hasn't. Uh, he's been with the Rockies for a few years now. He's been originally he was going to be their long reliever. And now he's the fifth man on the rotation because Kyle Freeland, who had a really good season in 2018, he came in fourth in the NL Cy Young Award voting. Um, he is injured right now. So he's on the injured list. Um, so Gonzalez, his his main problem is being able to locate pitches. He doesn't, he's not going to blow you away with a hundred mile an hour fastball. He'll come up there 92, 93. And if, if he doesn't locate well, he has a problem. Um, Herman Marquez, the Rockies ace will be going as of now on Saturday, the the only game on Saturday, assuming there's not a double header. Um, <laughs> he will be going and he's had the control issues. Um, thus far in the season as well, where the first uh, opening day, he was really wild. Um, and he, uh, he last went on Sunday in the series finale against the giants. And he was a bit wild to begin with, and then settled in. Um, but still he, he has not pitched great this year. Um, he has 15 and two thirds innings. And he has walked, uh, well, he's allowed 17 uh, hits, but he has walked 11. So that's when you're walking 11 in less than 16 innings, again, that tells you control-wise he, he's not been able to get it this year thus far. But he, when he is on, he's very good. He'll, his fastball is 98, got a good curveball. It's just with the curveball, especially like in his last start in San Francisco, it was either eye high in the dirt or right down the middle. And those are the three places when you're trying to get strikes, you don't want to get <laughs> because the one that's a strike is right down the middle and it's going right. to be hit 400 feet away. Antonio Senzatella is now, as of now going on Sunday. Um, he, he is a very interesting pitcher in that he, he does not strike many guys out whatsoever. He's almost like a 1970s or 1980s pitcher in that sense, where he's not going to be striking out 10 batters per nine innings. In fact, um, for his career, I believe it's five or six. Like, yeah, this year he's got four and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Last year it was five. So he's not going to strike many guys out. Um he, his control is pretty good. Last year, he walked two per nine innings, um, and he was arguably the Rockies' best starter. In 12 starts, he had a sub three-and-a-half ERA. Um, this year, he struggled a bit as because he has a 7.07 ERA. Um, he's allowed more hits this year and more home runs. That's been his problem, which, I mean, at least he's not walking the ballpark, but when he faced the Dodgers in the Dodgers series here, he allowed three or four home runs. So that was now granted they were all solo, but when you're facing the Dodgers, expect that to happen in, in fact, he even said that. And that's, that's one of the things with the Rockies and the Dodgers in general, 
where he just said, well, we're facing the Dodgers. So he was kind of like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Where that's, that's not a good mentality. Even if you're facing the reigning world champions, <laughs> he was just like, I, I don't know. Like that's, it's not a good sign, <laughs> but no, not at all. That's what a pigeon coach is. there, supposed to straighten them out. Right. Yeah. So, but it, last year he was good. So perhaps he will regain his footing here soon. He actually pitches really well at Coors Field. Um, so, and that's, that's one thing with the Rockies pitchers in general, they actually seem to pitch better at Coors Field. Again, the going from Coors Field to sea level, the Rockies do not do that well. I want to go back to that a little bit later. I just wanted to uh, continue along this line with the pitching. The Mets have announced that it's going to be DeGrom Lucchese, Joey Lucchese, who's making his debut on Saturday, depending upon what goes on, and Stroman. So you're going to get two of our best guys, DeGrom and Stroman, in there. So uh, I guess maybe they're, they're glad it's snowing. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> Um, DeGrom, he might be even more unhittable because if considering the Rockies offense the way it is right now and if it's snowing you aren't going to be able to see the ball not like you can anyways <laughs> with him throwing 101 miles an hour but but yeah we could have like a, a zero zero in in course field wouldn't that be awesome yeah, that would be phenomenal just classic not Coors Field game. Oh, it's right. the 13th inning, and it's scoreless. Yeah. Nobody can see. Um, a lot like the Mets, the bullpen has struggled as well for the Rockies. Yes. Um, their their closer right now is uh, Daniel Bard. Um, he was the NL Comeback Player of the Year last year. He had not pitched in baseball in the majors, at least since 2013 with the Red Sox. Um, he was actually a coach in the Diamondbacks organization, is a mental skills coach, decided to come back, and he's the Rockies' best reliever, um, which he, uh, part of that is because he's pitched well. Part of it is the Rockies' bullpen is not that great. Last year, they had an ERA as a bullpen that was north of six. It was not quite as bad as the Phillies' bullpen, but you really can't get worse than the Phillies bullpen was last year. Um, so for, and he was their best reliever last year, but also too, part of the reason why the bullpen has not been that great is their previously their best reliever was Scott Oberg. And he has had reoccurring blood clot issues in his right arm. He, he missed the last two months of 2016 due to it. And then he had it flare up at the end of the 2019 season for a second time, missed the last two months. Then in the spring training 2.0, he had it uh, flare up again. He missed all of last year. And then he was recovering this year, appeared in a few spring training games, and he had it flare up for a fourth time. So he's going to be out the entire season. And perhaps his career is over because it could be so life-threatening all of this happening again for him um so that's been a big blow for the Rockies bullpen and as it is with most teams just getting the consistency out of guys for example last year Yancy Almonte he had a good season for them he was out of options so they had to put him in the bullpen if they wanted to keep him and he pitched well but previously had not pitched well. Now 
can he get the consistency of I'm I'm this the three ERA pitcher or less, not a seven ERA pitcher. Right. Uh, Carlos Estevez is another one where he he actually was the team's closer for a period of time a long time ago, 2016. Um, he he throws really hard, but he has no idea where the ball's going. So that's why, uh, as we've discussed before, his name's Carlos Estevez and Charlie Sheen, who played Ricky Vaughn in Major League, his nickname was Wild Thing. And Charlie Sheen's real name is Carlos Estevez. So it very fitting there, unfortunately, for the Rockies, because he has no idea where the ball's going. Um, <laughs> and then um, they don't, uh, their other problem this year is their left handed relievers. They have one left handed reliever in the entire bullpen. They have 14 pitchers, they only have one lefty in the bullpen as of now and that is ben bowden and he is a new name you haven't heard of because he just made his major league debut this year um he had been injured in the rockies minor league system and he he had a handful of games about two dozen at the triple a level and that was in 2019 that's all he's had above triple a so he has had the control issue as well um, because he's pitching in the major leagues for the first time. But mm-hmm. the Rockies don't have any other left-handed relievers. So that will be something where against guys like, for example, Michael Conforto, where maybe they aren't comfortable using Bowden or, oh, we've already used him in the game and now Conforto's up in the eighth inning and we have to have a righty against them. And that could be beneficial for the Mets. Well, is there anybody that uh, could you classify that going into this series that you would call hot? Uh, and and who's not? Spoke a little bit about Blackman not being uh, struggling and struggling in the offense, struggling. But any any hot players coming into this series that all the Mets need to look out for? I would say the hottest guy. He's not particularly hot right now, but he's the hottest guy that Rockies have is ryan mcmahon like i said he's he was their everyday starting second baseman last year um he his natural position is third base though so with arenado leaving he's over at third um most of the time occasionally they'll have arenado's cousin josh fuentes playing third base um and then they move mcmahon back to second um but with mcmahon he before this road trip he already had a three homer game this year and he, I believe he's still second in the made and yeah, in the majors in home runs with five. Um, he was, uh, he was hot. Like I said, going into the road trip, but with the road trip, he's definitely cooled off some as have all the Rockies. Mm. Um, but he, he was probably their hottest bat right now. Um, I would say though, at the top of the lineup, Garrett Hampson, He's another guy who he can play second base some. Um, he He's a natural shortstop who, since Trevor Story is there right now, plays mainly second and center field. So he plays those spots because he is one of the fastest guys in baseball. Lately, manager Bud Black has had him at the top of the lineup because he is so fast. Right. Um, his problem, though, is just getting on base. 
lately he's been doing it better, but that's been his problem in the major leagues thus far. Um, but when he does get on base, he will likely steal a base because as of now, he's, I believe he's leading uh, as of yesterday, he was leading the NL in stolen bases. Um, I'd have to check to see if that's still active today, but, um, as of yesterday, he was leading the NL in stolen bases. So, and and the Mets don't hold runners on very well. So no, like, yeah. he could he could pick up a few if he can get on base. That's the key. Yeah. Um, I I just want to go back to the issue about the uh, uh which I find very fascinating, the uh, high altitude and uh, the sea level, uh, uh, position that you brought up earlier. Is is that the kind of thing that the, the team has even looked into at all? Uh, has there been any kind of medical studies to see if there's a way of uh, preventing it or at least, uh, you know, um, eliminating some of the, uh, uh, the, the drawbacks to it? Um, there's... There's been more uh, information publicly that has been researched about it than what the Rockies have said. Um, but also, as I kind of alluded to, the Rockies are very, uh, they are not very public with much of anything that they say. In fact, for the team's GM and owner, we have heard from them as media. We heard, well, we heard them at the um, Arenado trade um i so i would say in the last two years we've probably heard from them four times um two times being portrayed um so they're they're not very public in what they're saying i do have to say though they for this off season they had about six people in their analytics department and four of them four or five of them left um and they've not replaced them. So that's, that's a problem, especially in today's baseball. So if I had to guess, they have not researched it much. Um, and to that point, we asked, we actually asked CJ Crone today, um, the team's first baseman about, has there been any, we meaning as a media, um, we asked him about that and he said, no, there, we, we haven't, uh, there's not really been any uh, change, I think, in how we play between cores and on the road. The numbers say differently. Uh, that, that's another thing where, okay, they say one thing, but the results show differently. Mm -hmm. um, so whether they have just been told not to talk about it or they don't know, I have no idea. But um, we've actually had a few articles on the site uh, talking about the difference with it. And I mean, if you look, at their first few games of a road trip, the past four, five, six years, they have a sub 400 winning percentage in those games. But when they play at Coors Field, they're 500 or better in most of the series. And then also too, like if they have a long road trip, for example, if they have a 10 game road trip in games six through 10, they play a lot better than they do one through five. So that's that's what's kind of delivered the notion of mm -hmm. okay, is there some kind of differentiation in going from altitude to non-altitude? 
And they've also had more injuries than most other teams. Now, one team that always has a ton of injuries is the Yankees, which I'm not sure if any other team can have more injuries than the Yankees. But um, also, too, half the Yankees are former uh, Rockies, which is something that's very interesting. But um, so with the Rockies, though, like, for example, uh, they had an all-star outfielder by the name of David Dahl, who's now with the Texas Rangers. And he had numerous injuries through his Rockies career. And it always seemed to be that well, he was a great player when he was playing. It's just right. he could never stay on the field. And it seemed to be that he would play well at Coors. And then on the road is when he would have the issues. And he had some weird injuries, too. Like when he was in the minor leagues, he dove for a ball and he ruptured his spleen. Not and that's not an everyday injury. Wow. Um, yeah. So and then he had numerous oblique injuries. And yeah, he just had a cavalcade of injuries where that's why the Rockies actually non tendered him this past offseason because he just had so many injuries. Um, and then there's been some other ones as well, like with John Gray, for example. He's spent each uh, last year, he spent yeah. the last two months of the season on the injured list. He spent uh, 2019, the last two months of the season on the injured list. He was injured in 2018. He was injured in 2017. Two of the times have been for fracture uh, for a fractured foot. One of them actually happened in Arizona, but it's just, it seems to be the recovery of players and even going in, going from course to sea level back to course it just seems like it's been more of a wear and tear on players compared to players that play 95 or more percent of their games at sea level. Right. Right. It's, it's really a, a fascinating subject um, because you read about a lot of these track people and, and track and field that actually go to high altitude to train and 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 then you know go to the Olympics or to different events and they usually at sea level I guess I mean there could be some in high, in uh, uh, higher altitudes but uh, and then to hear this uh, it it's almost like a totally different thing but it's it's a fascinating subject I hope somebody looks into it you know you, it's something that maybe Major League Baseball should look into now what they could do about it. Who knows? Maybe it's you know a, a dietary thing, or uh, I don't know. Maybe they've got to go into uh, some sort of oxygen chamber or something to get uh, acclimated, or, or something along that line. But uh, very yeah. fascinating thing, subject. And I mean, at least uh, they they have. Uh, I would say baseball probably looked into it more than the Rockies, but that's also not any stretch whatsoever saying that because. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the Rockies, their analytics department is, they're years behind most other teams. Um, and in fact, we spoke probably two weeks ago or so now with uh, Kylie McDaniel of ESPN. He's one of their top ESPN, uh, one of their top uh, prospects uh, people. And he said, yeah, it's not an industry secret that the Rockies are years behind everybody else in how they run things. And oftentimes I get front office people that tell me when I ask them about the Rockies, they just tell me, I have no idea what they're doing. 
so that's that's a problem but the like with the team in general of how they're constructed they they don't see it as a problem but the results show that it's a problem you sure the will ponds don't have a piece of the uh... I, <laughs> Rockies, yeah, yeah I, it's Dick Montfort who's the team owner. So maybe, maybe have we ever seen Montfort and Will Pond in the same room? I, I have not. So maybe they're the same person. Maybe. Who knows? At least they, they share a philosophy. It seems. Yeah, and like I said, with the Arenado trade, we're like, okay, you you decide you want to trade this player, okay. You just extended him. You gave him an opt-out clause that he didn't ask for. And then you trade him because they say, okay, he's going to exercise his opt-out clause. And literally in his press conference with the St. Louis media, after he got traded, he said, no, I didn't plan on exercising the opt-out clause. Okay, so you traded him because you thought he was going to leave when he said he didn't want to leave and you gave him the choice to leave. So it's... And there's so many things where it's just like, okay, what are you guys doing? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but as you mentioned with the Will Ponds, there were plenty of times that too. <laughs> yeah. We, we thought the same thing. So it, it, it's fascinating uh, to see how, uh, you know, the it, it seems that uh, we're so self-centered here in New York that we think the Will Ponds are the, you know, were, the worst owners in baseball. And then when you talk to other people, you see there are other things similar going on in different cities. So uh, very fascinating. Well, Noah, I want to thank you so much for coming on tonight and uh, tell the folks a little bit about the rock pile and where they can find it. You can find us at on Twitter at R O X P I L E F S uh, rocks pile F S. And then, uh, Facebook, you can also find us at Rocks Pile. Um, and then the website is just that, rockspile.com, R-O-X-P-I-L-E.com. Uh, that's terrific. And and again, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. And we definitely have to talk again uh, when uh, maybe the Rockies can shake it loose a little bit. <laughs> and maybe when the Rockies come to New York, it won't be raining and or snowing. Because the Mets, as we know, they've already had plenty enough weather issues this year. So why not pile a half foot of snow on them halfway into April? That's right. We've had the <laughs> rain here and you guys had the snow. So, <laughs> Thanks so why not again. give the Mets all? <laughs> give them some part of the Will Ponds back. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Noah. And uh, I'll be back right after this. 516-619-6341. That is the comment voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show. And uh, drop us a line, leave us a comment or a voicemail, question, anything at all. Call that number, 516-619-6341. Or go to MetsMusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen, and that's a speak pipe, and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone. Or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at MetsMusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash MetsMusings. 
And uh, if you'd uh, like to help out the show, check out our Patreon page. Check out the campaign at patreon.com slash Mets Musings. scheduled finally finally how long have we been asking for this the Mets have scheduled the Tom Seaver statue dedication for July 22nd at City Field according to a person with knowledge of the plans the ceremony will take place on an off day before the Mets first homestand after the break allowing members of the Mets organization and Seaver's family to be present the Mets commissioned the statue in 2019 announcing plans for it on the same day they revealed that City Field address would change to 41 Seaver way Groundbreaking for the statue has already begun near the home run apple outside the ball plate park's main entrance. So glory, hallelujah, we're going to have a Siva statue finally. Now, now we have to work for Joan Payson and Gil Hodges and Casey Stangle, all deserving of statues in Mets lore and Mets history and should be honored with such. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Noah Yingling, so much for taking the time for coming on tonight. And I want to uh, thank you for uh, listening and watching the program on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever and don't forget to subscribe wherever you watch or play the uh, program it helps me to grow the community and expand to new listeners so until next time i hope that you will remember that the mets have three in uh three in colorado three in chicago on the road for the first time off day in between and we'll be back next week and remember Keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. And I'll see you next time on another edition of Mets Musings.